Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Nice to see you, to see you nice. Hello and welcome to another episode of the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, broadcasting from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of British Columbia. If you're listening to this on the podcast, this is episode 215. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. And I'm Zachary Adamazenheimer. What a weekend! It's been fantastic for me. My wife's been over on the island visiting her dad, so it's been all football and wrestling. NXT TakeOver Saturday night was amazing. Yeah, I don't know how they were going to follow up with SummerSlam. SummerSlam I find quite disappointing. Yeah, that's what I mean. It always happens that way. But football-wise, there was a lot going on. Whitecaps won. Is there anything else to say, really? No, that's all we needed this weekend. Yeah. And it was a great performance, knocking off the then Western Conference champions. Leading leaders, yeah. not, not champions. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> leaders. Getting a little bit carried away with myself there. But, yeah, I don't know. Is this mic sounding weird to other folks? Yours does, yes. Yeah, it does. They all do, I think. No, it's, no, it's mine, yours. Mine's just different. Okay. It's just the Scottish weird. one. No. <laughs> yeah, if, if anyone that's listening live, let us know if this is sounding really weird, because in my ear it is so, so tinny. It's like an echo. Yeah. Mine's a little bit actually maybe like that too, Steve. Maybe right. I can't tell. Hmm. Let's play about with this a little bit. Let's see what we Let's can Let's not out. and just go for the tinny because we don't want to <laughs> go off air or anything like that. Okay. So, yeah. Houston. 2-1 win. Caps certainly made it a lot more difficult for themselves than they maybe needed to. Yep. But <laughs> three points is three points. It, I think the, the Whitecaps were... Or Full value for the victory, definitely. I think one of the things looking at the game is uh, one of the, you can only play who's in front of you, right? But one of the things that was that stood out, obviously, was the fact that Houston did not bring their strongest squad. Uh, they did not bring Eric Cubo Torres. They did not bring Albert Elise, your favorite player, Michael. They did not bring Ricardo Clark. Uh, they rested a number of players in advance of their Texas Derby this week. And, uh, yeah, I, again, the Whitecaps were, were worth the victory, but uh, I, I don't think we can – I don't think anyone can put too much stock in the fact like they beat Houston at their best, right? What, what did you think, Steve? Um, I thought, you know, when – we talked about it before that the uh, – 
they they seem to always play to the level of the opposition, and this time it seemed like it worked, and they came out and they they were attacking right away. They weren't holding back like they did against Portland. It was just a matter of of them continuing that for the full ninety. There were moments where they dropped off and everything, but I think they had a pretty solid performance going like during the whole ninety minutes. Um, there was, there was, like I said, they gave up some fouls, some set pieces that Houston wasn't able to capitalize because uh, they were just dominated in the air. Uh, I, I, at the end of the game, it was like forty-two to twenty-one in clearances in favor of the Whitecaps, and I think Waston had fifteen of them. So they were never really in any danger when it came to being under fire or anything like that. I mean, Houston led the the possession stats fifty-five percent. They also led the shots fourteen to ten. Shots on target, though, Vancouver 4-2. to two. Obviously, that paid off because they had a 50% success rate with their, with their four shots. Let, let's go through the goals. I mean, the, the first kind of 15 minutes of the game, it was a little bit... It wasn't a fantastic performance from either team. They were kind of sending themselves out. At training on Friday, Robo had been practicing with a team. He wanted to counter the counter. So he was expecting Houston to play a lot on the counter-attack and he wanted the Whitecaps to be able to to counter that themselves and, and get their own kind of quick breaks going. But first goal came from another set-piece, a, a penalty. Jordi Reyna did well to earn it, I think. Yeah, he, he got in, in the way of the, of the defender at the right time. Well, it started with uh, Titi barging uh, Andrew Wenger like, off the ball with like a... Very strong, like sh- shoulder barge. Uh, he turned up the field and uh, and then obviously laid it into to Jordy. And uh, he initially had his back to goal and made it. Yeah, made a nice turn. And it was awkward because uh, AJ Del Garza seemed to have him matched up one on one, and all of a sudden, Oscar Bonia Garcia came comes in clumsy from it, behind. It was just completely bundles him over. It's totally. like it wasn't even close. It's the kind of play when if you give a penalty up like that against you, you're going to be annoyed. Reyna did well. He put his leg out and then just stopped running so that he gets clattered into, brought down. For me, it was a clear penalty. Reyna did well to to earn it. And he's going to do these things. He's going to do stuff that's really going to kind of annoy and piss off the opposition teams. And that's what you want from a player, really. But Montero stepped up. They'd practiced penalties on Friday. For me, Teixeira had looked the better. He was, like, whacking them in. But Montero was back to being the penalty taker. In off the post. Lovely finish. Double figures. And, yeah, 1-0 Whitecaps. And everything was looking rosy at that point. But then Houston nearly got themselves back in it with a a free kick. Took a deflection. Changed direction mid-air. Eistead had to be quick to kind of... What a save, too. He he basically seemed like he changed direction in... Mid-air while he was going for the one direction. And he put his hands out and got it out in the other direction. So I, I thought it was a fantastic save. Almost, it, that could have changed the whole, you know, the whole game for them. And there were a couple of other half, half chances before that as well. There uh, were, yeah, chances. Bolognas, that one clearance he, when the when it came right. I don't know what the, who the attacker was, but, but he came in there out of nowhere. He made his one clearance of the game that I told you about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> his one clearance. Uh, Romel Kyoto had like a number like he was mm. up for this match he had yeah. a number of really good chances uh, yeah but 
Obviously, he was having like post-traumatic trauma. <laughs> I, I think he, I, I, I think he wanted to get over it. That's <laughs> why he wanted to have a good game. Well, he knew he knew he knew Paul was no longer here. So. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but then Whitecaps made it two 0 A beautiful goal. It's going to be up for goal of the week. Whether it wins it, of course, depends. Like what other teams are up and how many fans get to vote and all that crap that goes on with, with voting. But definitely goal of the week contender. Oh, for sure. Well, we've found that before with some Whitecaps goals. That yeah, there's no way yeah. this is not going to be up for goal of the week. It'll be up for goal. Whether it wins is yeah. a different story. But, I mean, Reyna did well. Matera got the assist on it, which, <laughs> which I, I thought was very, very fortunate. That's farcical. Yeah. That's, no, that no. is. That's not a, that's an I know. assist. Unless that's they take a, it not, away. But I'm not. I'm yeah. agreeing with you. Yeah. yeah. There's no the ball hits off him he, and falls into Reina's path. He pressures oh, again, he pressures again it was, Oscar Bonia Garcia. Yeah. And he panics and he tries to clear it and it deflects off of The thing is without the, the hard the hard without the hard work that doesn't happen. Right. But it's not really an assist. Not you an assist really, at no, all. No, you can't count an assist. You call it an effort, but not an assist. <laughs> this should be an effort uh category. They, I guess. they just love Montero. We'll give you an e. <laughs> How many E's did you get this? <laughs> They love Montero, so they're giving him the assist for that. But, I mean, Reyna did so well. And the way that he kind of worked, that he got the ball, took a little step in the inside to make room for himself. Now, the thing was, when he got the ball as well, he was in acres of room. That was the other thing as well. And, I mean, just cut inside, unleashed an unstoppable shot. Gave us the face of the week through Derek as well. Yeah. Which was absolutely a... Anybody a, create a gift for that? The, not an exact gift, but there is a gift of the goal. So, I mean, Derek's at the end of that. But what a strike that was. That was that was unstoppable. Two fantastic goals now for the Whitecaps. Two match-winning goals as yep. well. And at that point, you, you thought that the Whitecaps were on easy street. Did, 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 easy street. Did, did you really feel that way? I did. Uh, yeah. Yeah, do you, the, I think uh, somebody came up to behind us and said, oh, like, how do you think? Uh, you, you thought that they should have had more. Yeah, I and thought should have been three or four. And the other person said that, yes, there more, there's more coming. He agreed with you. Yeah. There should be more coming. Yeah, I think it was Paul Dolan. It might have been. Yeah, yeah, who, we were talking about Dolan at, at half time. He's a positive guy. But, I mean, because after that, Teixeira had the chance. that got the leg save out of Derek, which... Steve described kind of like a, a hockey goalkeeper save. Yeah, it was like a kick save, yeah. And the Whitecaps had turned up the pressure and you thought, oh, they're going to get another goal before half-time, maybe three, maybe four. And then it was two at half-time. You're like, oh, okay, we'll take that. It's very comfortable. They're going to go on and, and get another couple in the second half. I'd kind of thought it was going to be 3-1. Even when Houston scored, I thought, ah, oh, it's fine. We'll go on and, and get another. But the goals dried up. And we made it way more difficult for ourselves in the second half than we needed to. The goal as well. Instinctive finish by Kyoto or goalkeeping error by Ousted or a little bit of both? I would. I, I expected Ousted, it, it was a great play, but I expected Ousted to charge a little bit harder if he was going to charge. Um, he was kind of like, uh, kind of halfway whether he was going to get to the ball or he was going to sit back it, was, it seemed like he hesitated a little bit there well the problem the problem with the goal was, I mean there's a lot of frustrating points on the goal yeah. for, first uh, again TT uh, getting uh, he felt like he was fouled up the yeah. field Jordy has a foot in thinks he wins the ball but doesn't Alex keeps going up upfield um, but the, I think the harshest thing because I think I heard Carl Robinson after the game say that he was not happy with the goal at all from a defensive standpoint. Yeah, but so you can say, yeah, maybe it's David charging, but it's also got to be on whether it was Jake or who's on Jake's side, Timmy. 
Uh, Kendall. Kendall. Kendall would be on the so, side. It, those guys needed to read the give and go, yeah. and they and they didn't, and and they did not. We did not look. They, no, they yeah, not, they were, did not look I, good on that. I there was a lot really, of stuff leading up to it. For yeah, sure. I don't really know what Ousted was doing on it. I mean, yeah. that's the thing. He didn't. He came charging out, but he didn't make himself big. He didn't put his hands up. It was easily not passing. It was a. It was a great finish by Kyoto. It's yeah. what. Uh, yeah. It's what a striker does. He sees the moment. He seizes the moment, and then nice little finish and. Disappointing. I still thought at that point, though, that we would just take over, we'd get another goal, maybe another two. Certainly had our chances to do it. But then Houston as well. And this was a debate we were having after the game with a couple of the media that were there. Some felt that the Caps weren't really in danger and that it was a comfortable held down that Houston never threatened. But I said, well, they did threaten, but they were, they were held at long range. But those long range shots seemed to be getting closer and closer. And with about five minutes to go, I genuinely felt Houston were going to nick an equaliser. Yeah, it, uh, I, it was uh, it was kind of anxious after, from my perspective, after after Kyoto scored. It was if I felt the opposite, Michael. I felt more likely like an equaliser was coming yeah. in that second half than a than a third goal. It was only the closing minutes that I felt the equaliser was going to come. And there was that one dangerous uh, call right in the middle of the. Net basically just outside the box in in injury time that but it went remind me because I can't remember and it they basically made a big long wall I can't remember who made the foul but there was that one it hit the wall it basically hit the wall and that but it looked dangerous at that time that that this is where it was going to happen I think it was in the oh yeah first minute free kick because. Yeah, I'd said to you, look at the space to Ousted's right. Yeah, he, he like, that was gaping. He was, yeah, he looked like he was the at- way the player was lined up. It was going to be hard for him to to get it to there. Yeah, if they'd taken it coming from the other direction, then I think we would have been in a lot of trouble there. I heard someone say that one of the reasons there weren't there weren't more goals scored was that uh, someone from the football committee had uh, messaged down to the bench, asked them not to score any more goals so that they would have to give away more free haircuts with their great clip sponsor. <laughs> I, I I was wanting to get a booster juice smoothie or. I think the booster juice is if his sub scores. Or yeah, something. well, it could have been. We had some attacking subs. Yeah. Also, last week, Pharmasave had three dollars off. I was tempted to go and get some more stickers, but I, I didn't. Why, why but, not? Why not? Well, everyone is going to be glad to know that stickers are going to make a return later in the show. Oh. Segment three, stickers are back, but not in the way you're thinking. Oh, okay. So that's some of our breakdown of the game. Before we kind of look at some of the individual performances, let's hear a little bit now from both head coaches. So first of all, we're going to hear from the Whitecaps' Carl Robinson. And then Steve headed along to the Houston locker room to speak to Wilmer Cabrera, who wasn't a happy bunny with the defeat, the refereeing, and a few more things as well. So here's both coaches. Carl, when you brought in uh, Freddie and Yordi, are these the kind of nights that you en- envisioned? <laughs> yeah, they help. I thought uh, in tight games, and it certainly was a tight game today, we knew it would be the not top of the conference for a, no reason. You need your players to step up, and I thought not just them two, they got the icing on the cake with the two goals, but a number of players stepped up today. So, yeah, that's the reason why I brought them in. It's nice when it works. When you brought these guys in, like Reyna, obviously he was really kind of talismanic tonight. Everything went through him. He's going to get a lot of attention. He seemed to get kicked and fouled an awful lot tonight. Does, <laughs> does that concern you that they're going to kind of 
target him a little bit now? It's a nice little understatement about him getting fouled today. Um, yeah, he will. Um, but I hope he gets the protection that uh, other players like him get as well. So if he can do that on a regular basis, which I believe he can with confidence and fitness, you know, he's like a little terror out there running around and pressing and two sides of the game with the ball, without the ball. He, I think you saw the side without the ball today from him because he, he's like a rash. He's all over the place. And the quality with the ball obviously puts him in the top corner after winning the ball. So, you know, he, he was great. Obviously, I got Nico as well in that area and, and Fonzu come on as well to stretch a pitch at the end. So, Carl, uh, how would you... Sorry, how would you sum up just your team's overall play? Uh, overall play today, uh, a good three points against a very good team. That's what I said. It's a good. It was a good scrap, if I can say scrap. Can I say scrap? Yeah, good scrap against a good team. So that's that's what it's about. It's about grinding out results, and we didn't make it easy because we give away a bad goal, and it was a bad goal in the second half, and you know we didn't get nervous. You know we had to reset, uh, and the guys at the back reset. We kept our shape. They had the ball, but, you know, they, they often puffed. We didn't give them too many clear-cut chances. You talked about him being a rash. Or you a, like oh, Yordi today, didn't Yordi, you? Yeah, I did very much. Um, yeah. just, uh, do you, but do you give him that license to, to roam, or is that just him freelancing? Like, what's it, where do you see? Like, is that the plan? I want him on the ball, but I want him on the ball. I want Boller on the ball. I want uh, the bug on the ball. Bernie Abini, when he came on, I thought was really, really strong for 25 minutes. I want Freddie on the ball problem we have is, is one ball <laughs> listen it's a it's an ironic game for us because if we take the two situation if we isolate the two goals that they score in the first half after that we play one of the best games overall the whole year defensively moving the ball passing attacking creating options but that's the game that's the game that we have to face uh, we went to halftime with 2-0, and uh, the idea wasn't just uh, just to continue playing with with no more mistakes, no more silly mistakes. And at some point, we needed to score one goal. And they, if we scored one goal, they're gonna be dropping back. They're gonna be worried about us, and we're gonna be in control. And uh, we did that, and uh, we were in control. We we were pushing, uh, but. We couldn't score another one. Uh, anyway, the effort for, from the players is good. The, 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 the way, the mentality and uh, the way we approach, it was good. Uh, anyway, uh, I, I like that. And we have to take that for the next game uh, against Dallas on, on Wednesday. Um, you, you guys obviously had a lot of set pieces in there, uh, during the game. Was it just a matter of facing a team that's much taller and be able to go in the air? No. Yeah, of course they're taller, and you know, Weston is huge. And, uh, and uh, but you know, it, it was a lot of fouls. I think uh, the referee could be, in my opinion, the referee could be showing a little bit more yellow cards because it's too many fouls from. Reina, too many fouls. Even the even the, the PK, before the PK, it was a foul against Alex. But listen, we have to deal with that. And, um, you know, it's part of the games and part of the you playing away that uh, sometimes you get, you receive the calls, sometimes not. But overall, uh, the team played well and we, we were. Uh, 
pushing and in control during the second half, which it is important for our our plan and how we uh, are going to approach uh, the next game, the next games in, in front of us. You, you rested three players, key players. I know it was a planned, uh, you know, rest for them. Um, what was your thinking behind that? Is it just because you're facing an F- FC Dallas team and the Texan Derby? It's it's just a process to to continue growing and uh, resting some players that they've been acting and playing a lot, a lot of minutes. And we have three really tough games in front of us. So uh, they're ready to, to, to play on Wednesday. And uh, despite uh, what happened today, we played very solid and very good game. So uh, we're going to continue doing that. The gaffers there. Some interesting comments from from both coaches. Robbo, I, I liked the thing about it was a good scrap. Can I say a scrap? I don't know. Can I say a scrap? Yeah, it was a good scrap. And of course, talking of scraps, there was one very close to curve section. No, it was two o one. Yeah, it was more Rain City. I think it was, ab- it was kind of above a, above Rain City at the yeah, back above. of Rain City. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it was involved any of the supporters. No, my, no. Mike Mike Crook from Rain City was actually trying to help break things up. It was it was a uh, apparently following up on the Facebook comments. It was a dude who had drunken too much. Who just yes. that's usually an, what happens. It seemed <laughs> to be an argument over cup holders or yeah. something weird like that, and then. He just started swinging, and it was cra- it was crazy because it was the guy in Ousted jersey very, as well. Yeah. As angry as Ousted gets when the defenders in front of him don't do what he's wanting, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was held back, and then he got loose again. Just started punching like whoever he could. Um, my favorite though, my favorite comment in the Facebook discussion was was yours, Michael. His <laughs> his dad was also there. I don't know if his dad. I think someone did say his dad. Someone said him. his dad was involved. Yeah. with it as well. And, but then, and then Michael made a comment that I would never trust. Someone, him. Yeah, someone shared a photo of him and his dad. His dad's wearing the the triangle jersey. It's like never trust anyone that that bought that triangle jersey. I think I might. I can't remember if I said bought or wear because obviously the White Cats players wear it, so I trust them. The, the, the thing, the, the thing is, to, I, we want to condone it. No, no. The, the one thing I, I, I Cond- condemn. Oh yeah, condemn, not condone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I realized afterwards why I enjoy the game so much. I, I, I think it was because they were not wearing the pajama jerseys, yeah. pajama kits. You know, I never even noticed. Yeah, like, they were. They were. I know I didn't sink in. It's just well, I think that, I noticed right away. Mm. No, but I, I think that's because I didn't notice. That's why I wasn't as annoyed watching the game as I usually am. Yeah, at home this year. But we we do condemn violence in the stands. <laughs> condemn, condemn, not condone. Condemn. Just vocab. Yeah, it's just vocab. It was. It's very close. Just a few letters away. It was a little awkward that security did not respond quickly. They were so slow, as yeah. they have been with several things now uh, at BC Place. And then the supporters, Southsiders, were I think waving him goodbye. Yeah. And yeah. then he was going after the supporters, <laughs> even though he's like had a tall tarp in, in between yeah. the two, so he wasn't going to yeah. get over there. So he he was one of the the duds of the match. That guy. Let's talk about some of the highs of the match. Jordi Reyna, Freddie Montero, the two guys that have been brought into the side to make a difference, making a difference, 
And, I mean, the two of them made the team tick. Surprisingly, when, when you look at the stats, Montero led the team with three key passes more than Reina. Bola was next with, with two. Does it include the assist? Is that one of the key that passes? That is probably one of the key passes, yeah. <laughs> Teixeira led the team with four shots. Passing accuracy. Reina was only fourth with 84.6. Montero and Timmy, 92.3 leading the way. Montero had an excellent game. Reina's probably going to get the plaudits for, for man of the match because he, he got the goal, he earned the penalty. Not from Zach, though, he's shaking his head. Let's get to that now, then. Who who was your man of the match? It's absolutely obvious that the man of this match was Oscar Boniek Garcia. (laughs) (laughs) He created both goals for Vancouver, and he deserves the plot. Okay, who was your Vancouver man of the match? I would give it to Jordi Reyna. I I, I was thinking Reyna, but then when I saw the stat for clearances, I kind of want to give it to Kendall Waston. He, um, he just played he so well defensively, yeah, but yeah. Uh, but I do agree that Reyna really took control and just was all over the pitch. He he, he took punish. He took so much punishment in that game. You know, kicked around all over. And the, and the he thing is, out a bit too. I personally think he there should have been some more yellow cards. The way the kicking was happening, it wasn't even a foul. It was like full like swing through his leg or something. We were see, we were yeah. seeing that VAR was made for Drew Fisher. So yeah. I. I felt, I tweeted this out during the game, it felt like Reyna had been fouled about 20 times. And at that point, it had only been like four or five. But then after the match, as you heard from the comments there from Cabrera, he was saying, he was complaining about the fouls that Reyna yeah. was committing. And it's like, okay. He did, he did, he was, he's feisty. Yeah. I mean, he did, he did commit some. Well, quite a few, but <laughs> I like that. And he's going to get under folks' skin. He's going to be an annoying little shit. And that's what we need. A guy with flair, a guy that can annoy, a guy that can put the, the ball in the back of the net. It's Could sp- drive the attack. Yeah. Well, and that, I think when you're talking about you know, players who had good performances, you've you got to also look at how, uh, I, th- I think I heard someone say pre-game, post-game, whatever, that uh, Rabo felt like he was putting out his best available 11. Yeah. And it was interesting that the, the, the front four of that, because you had you had the Colombian, you had the Peruvian, you had the Costa Rican, and you had the Uruguayan. You had these four uh, Latin American kind of guys working really, really, really well together. They definitely were a very cohesive attacking unit, and that's the thing. Robo brought Montero and Reina in to be difference makers. They haven't had a chance to play together. Do you feel this was the start of what this team can be? Reyna's maybe now found his feet in the league, got up to match fitness. And they're not broken. Yeah. Montero seems to be enjoying having someone that's pressing high with him, that's taking some of the pressure off him. Belanius, I didn't feel had that great a game again, I have to say. Teixeira as well was a little bit up and down. But, I don't know, I just bowler for me, it didn't click. Really? I, f- mm. I felt like he had actually... a a good game where it, I think he felt like, or you think he now feels like, I don't have to do everything. Jordan, yeah, I don't have to do everything. Yeah. Well, Steve, there. Steve's he's, noticed his so defensive he, play. He picks, he, his, he picks his spots way, way, way and, better. And because you got to remember the, the, the kick save we're talking about for yes. Derek. He, he's the one yes. that super, super, uh, he, provided that. He, he started that, and after he made the pass through, he just blew past two orange shirts who were just standing there, up the right wing, 
to get to, to, to receive the ball back to put in the, the cross for that chance. Yeah. I mean, Bullock did well. I mean, he, he sent 12 crosses into the box and only one connected, which... I think that was the one that Tissera took a shot off. It, it's not necessarily Bola's fault in that regard. It's just yeah. there's not players in the box that should be connecting. I was disappointed with the, the aerial threat this week because at training, they practiced headers a lot on Friday especially, and Kendall was burying header after header really powerful, and they just couldn't get the ball to him. Yeah. during the game so that, that was a little bit disappointing but I mean any other players stood out for you as great or bad Jake Norwinski I feel yeah, d- again. deserves a, a nod again again um, I thought the uh, Chani and Jacobson did well in, in kind of curtailing their attack down the middle forcing them outside a lot uh, and that's where you know the Harvey and Norwinski who, who got early yellow cards in the um, in the in the first half had to really play carefully in the second so I think that that was helpful I think that was one of the key matchups of the, t- of the entire game was was Jake versus Kyoto and I I, it, I think Houston wanted it that way um, and I think it's hard to say that Kyoto probably didn't get the better of him like when I go through my notes from the game the phrase Rommel beats Jake is there a lot of times um and he only got the one goal, mind you. Yeah, but he ha- he had a lot of a lot a lot of good chances he, came from there. He did get beaten a lot, and f- for the goal as well, he, he kind of let Kyoto get goal side of him, and that's something that it's just naivety. Robo also said afterwards, when he took him off, he wasn't wanting to come off. He thought he could play through the injury, but it's like you're you're a goal up, minutes to go, come off. Yeah, and he just said it's just. He just had a cramp. An experience. He just stuff. had a cramp. Yeah. But at the, at the same time, I, the, the the negative parts of his game from the day, I think, are also good learning points for him at this point in his career. Yeah, totally. So just before we round this section off, we have to just touch very quickly on the importance of this win. It's the first game of a, a long home stretch that's coming up, five of the next six at home, getting it off to a winning start. If they had drawn this or lost this, they would still have been out of the playoff spots. At one point, even when they were winning, they were out of the playoff places because San Jose were were one up at that point. But massive. And this spell that is coming up, if they can take 12 to 15 points from these five games that's coming up, if they can do that, there's no way they're not going to make the playoffs. That sounds like too much consistency. (laughs) <laughs> That's the issue. Yeah. So we talked there about the Houston match. Let's just get some tweets from our listeners tonight. And then we'll look ahead to the, the games that is coming up. One thing which uh, John Humphreys asks is, will Brett Levi's challenge Harvey for minutes once fit? His style of play is screaming for an uptick in attacking potential from the left-back position. Because... The way that the team especially played yesterday with Norwinski so high up the field, it is screaming out for a player like Levi's in, in the left-back role. And you have to feel when he's fit, he is going to get a look. Uh, yeah, I think I think you're right. Uh, I, I I also think we'll see Marcel at some point in uh, in, these, in this next week. I, I think we're probably going to see every single player in the squad at, at some point in, in these three games. It's three games in eight days. 
I think Robo is going to use pretty much all his squad in in these games that's coming up. Oh, for sure, especially with you know they got the home game, but then they got to travel all the way to Orlando, and that that I, I think whoever goes to Orlando, a lot of those players aren't going to play in the next game. I, I think the Orlando one is the outlier out of all of them that they. Obviously, they're not going to want to give up points there, but I think they'll be satisfied with the draw on that one. Uh, Whitecap Scar, who is obsessed with Russell Ty, but I've no idea why he keeps wanting him to start. It's baffling to me. But he didn't think that AJ had his best game on Saturday, and he thinks Ali or Tybert to start on Wednesday. Ali is not fit for the next three to four games, so he's not going to be starting until after the international after the break. break. Yeah. I can see Russell starting in Orlando. Yeah. Tybert will get the start, I would think, in Orlando, and they'll rest one of them. But it, it's AJ and, and Chani all the way for me against Seattle. Yeah, it'd be surprising to see that, that one of them pulled for such a significant match. So I have to ask Whitecap Scarf, why why are you so obsessed with Tybert playing? Because he... He loves Canadians, Michael, unlike uh, yourself. I don't know. Well, I, you love a Canadian. You married a Canadian. I, yeah, I love yeah. Canadians. I love you too. Yeah. Tybert is not at, at the level of these other three DMs that we have at the club. A couple of tweets here from Chris Corrigan, Sailor C86. I talked about Parker's passing accuracy that was leading the team. He said he was passing back and forth at the back. Centre-back passing accuracy is nothing like full attacking passing. Reina was magic. And that is true. And it's, it's similar to one Marcus Davidson passing. Yeah, because him, him passing two back and forward to Kendall would class as his passing accuracy as well. Yeah. And another one from Chris... Wants to talk about the inverted wingers. He felt that Tashera and Bola were making crazy inside runs yesterday. They were. Let's get to the meat of the matter. Cascadian Derby coming up on Wednesday. Disappointing that it's a Wednesday. One of two against Seattle now on a Wednesday. We've got one down there coming up as well. For me, Cascadian Derby should be at the weekend. They should not be played on a Wednesday. This is something supporters have... um explicitly told the front office in meetings over the years over and over and over again. And this is one of the things where the, the front office will be like, oh, we try, we try, but, and then you read articles and they're like, yeah, we are, you know, you read there was an article this week, it's like, yeah, we are the league and we make everything happen and we have an influence on how everything goes, but you can't actually get your, your actual most important matches yeah. at a decent, respectable time, not only just for your television, but for more importantly, for, yeah. the, for the traveling supporters. I, I'm not expecting many Seattle fans to come up for this one. There might be a few. Might be some heading down to Oregon for the eclipse, so they might not have made it back. <laughs> Traffic's horrendous down there, apparently, at the moment. But Seattle's coming to town. Big, big win for Seattle tonight. 94th, 94th minute. 94th minute penalty, and it was a penalty. Handball in the box. At first, I was like, no! But... Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. San Jose, too, yesterday. Yeah, they got a draw out of a ninety-fourth minute. Wando, yeah. Clint Dempsey burying it. Poor. If if Jordi Reyna is a rash, what is Clint Dempsey? The deuce. I think thrush, but Dempsey buried what just that. Two-one, puts the Sounders top of the table. We have a chance now to knock off another Western Conference leader. Nobody wants to be the leader and face us. No, and. It's a tough, tough game coming up. Seattle, though, tonight, they, they looked very vulnerable at the back, especially with like long balls over the top or guys running at the defenders. They seemed a little bit slow. And we've nothing to be afraid of coming into this. I think this could be a really entertaining end-to-end game. 
but I, I, I don't know. It's, it, it seems like Seattle, sometimes they come here and they, they sometimes they want to play defensively. Sometimes they do open up. Um, I think it all depends on how Vancouver uh, will will approach this game, whether they're the ones that push the play. And if if they don't push the play, I don't think Seattle's looking to push the play either. Well, I think I think the lineups will show a little bit about how important this match is uh, in the in the, the this point of the season and in this week. Because one of the things is this is leading into this little break period, right? And so yeah. it's kind of uh, from a Vancouver perspective, it needs to be all out. I, I, to, the, to the point where if what Robbo said was true about this past game on the weekend, this was his best available 11, I would not be disappointed if he chose to feel the exact same 11. Yeah. Or no, may, yeah, or, me, me neither. Or, no. may, or maybe Marcel for, for Jordan. No, I would be I would be fine with Jordan. I would I wouldn't mind Marcel in um, in uh, – in Orlando, if you're going to do that, right. like like I think Orlando's the one where you're going to see changes. Yeah. I, for me, that would be the game to make the changes. I, I'd be happy to go with the, the same starting eleven as well. I'm not 100 percent sure though that he will. I think the defense might be the same. He did kind of say that Williams could get a look on Wednesday. Mm. I guess it depends if Nowinski's still kind of struggling oh, the, a little bit of cramp, the, or, or is it a strain? If they want to maybe get a bit more experience back there, yeah, it's, and it'll be, it'll be his first home game. That'll be interesting. Yeah, someone pointed out that he hasn't actually played a, a game at home yet. No, but in I think you're, you're going to look at a four-two-three-one again. You're going to have Chani and Jacobson as your two. You wouldn't change any of the, the front four at all. Yeah, maybe maybe Bola is replaced by Alfonso. Yeah. yeah, if you want to give him a rest, and maybe, but he'd have to play in Orlando then. And he hasn't traveled, I don't think. He didn't travel to Dallas. He didn't travel to... No, he doesn't uh, have to travel. Breck can play. Yeah, Rob, it's true. Robbo did also, I did also hear, Rob, hear Robbo say post-game something to the effect of very few players will play the full all three games. Yeah. But he is planning on playing some all three yeah. games. Elfstead for sure. Tim Parker. Yeah. Kendall Waston. Yeah. Um, and, of course, there are some other possibilities there which we'll come to shortly in the centre-back position. But I, I think I'd, I'd like to see the same lineup. But, I, yeah, I wouldn't mind Davies coming in, either for Teixeira or for Bola. Ebini came on against Houston. He was okay, nothing special. But once again, we left a DP sitting on the bench. Brickshay didn't come on. Not great value for money if you're doing that. Well, it's not a great map value for money, period. Yeah, We've yeah, talked about true. this every week. I know. Like, but also, Shea had a bit of a stinker at training on Friday. I, I didn't like him at all. At one point when they were having the 11v11 scrimmage, Rosales sent a beautiful ball to the back post. Hurtado rose to head it fantastically, and Shea got in the way. And Hurtado was like, ah. Oh, and like so blocked exas- it or yeah, blocked him? Totally blocked it. Oh. It, was gonna, it was going in. So Hurtado was a bit exasperated by that, I think. But, yeah, I mean, Shea, I would expect to play in Orlando. Yes. His former team. He likes the heat. So, I mean, I would see him there. But I don't expect a lot of changes on Wednesday. Seattle, of course, of course, pose a threat. Yeah. Leading the way goals-wise for them is Dempsey, getting his 11th of the season tonight. Will Bruin, the guy that we've wanted for a long time to sign for the Whitecaps. And, and when he says we, he means him. Okay, the guy I've wanted for I, a long time to I, sign I, for I the I like him too. I, well, I, I think he would be a good second striker. Eight goals. Not yeah. any, not anymore. Not, well, no, I'd still take him if he was available. Yeah. Christian Roldan, five. And then assists, you've got Jones on ten, Ladero on nine. Those are the danger men. 
But I do think we've got the players that can pick apart the Seattle team defensively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. yeah. When you look back to the the game here earlier in the year, that day we did not have a lot of possession. No, and no, like, definitely not. We, I don't think we, 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 we didn't really deserve to win no, that one. No, That was a steal. Yeah. And, and then the next game against Portland, that's the one we deserved to win, and that's the one we yes. lost. Yeah. So it'll it'll be interesting when you look at uh, what Seattle did tonight uh, tonight and their lineup. It looked like the it, like Bruin didn't start. He yeah. came on as a later sub in the second half. I would be surprised if he didn't start here. Yeah, because you want to they'll want a big body to go up against uh, Kendall and and Timmy. I was talking about Tyber. I wouldn't give him starting time or anything like that. But he does play well against Seattle and LA. Yeah, those are the two teams. That's the two teams he seems to really do well. He seems to like having battles at. He had battles with Keen, Dempsey and him's had some battles over the years, so that could be a wild card to get that gets thrown in there, but I don't know. Quick predictions then for this one. I'll go uh one nil whitecaps. I'm gonna go two one to the Flounders. Ooh. I am gonna go for an absolute barn burner, three two whitecaps, two goals from Freddie Montero. Two more. Yep. And oh, wait, are I, either of those Tim Parkers? Maybe. Okay. And a Kendall Watson header. That's what I'm going to go with. And, of course, we've got Orlando then coming up as well at the weekend. We won't preview that too much. We may do a preview podcast on Thursday. Uh, Stephen Egan from Radio Cascadia is coming up to the game, so oh, I might yeah. have a, a little chat with him about some stuff. You, you do good work on that show. Thank you. I enjoy being on it. And, of course, they're part of the AFTN network now. So we like partnershiping with them. So always great to to listen to that. So if you haven't checked it out, check out Radio Cascadia. You'll find their episodes on AFTN. Quick prediction for the the Orlando game. I'll say that one's going to be a 2-1 loss. I agree. That's what I would go with. I was going to say 3-1 to Orlando. Okay, So we're not optimistic about that one as well. That will be our throwaway game before we... But but I, I'd be break. surprised because, you know, they they weren't expecting going to Dallas and get anything. And they got <laughs> something there. So that yeah. the, nothing would surprise me. If it, the opposite happened yeah, this week. And another player that we may see in one of these games, possibly in the Orlando game, is the new centre-back, Aaron Mond. If they decide they want to give Kendall or Timmy a little bit of a rest, Mond is fit, healthy, raring to go. He's been very vocal at, at training this week. And a bit of a surprise, I think, him coming here. I don't think that was on anyone's radar, really wasn't really on his either. I got a chance to speak to him uh, at training on Friday just to chat about that move and a few other things about his career so far. So let's hear now from Aaron Mond. Mond the Mond. So Aaron, you've not had a lot of time to get used to Vancouver, but... The few days that you've had here, what, what have you thought of the training facility, your teammates, and the city so far? Yeah, everything's been top class. Um, this training facility, facility is obviously beautiful, um, and they give us all the tools, so I'm really excited about that. Um, sessions and the guys, everything has been you know, really, really sharp, um, and I'm loving it so far. The move, it kind of surprised a lot of folk here. Had you any indication that maybe RSL were shopping you around or that Vancouver were interested in bringing you here? Um... You know, uh, this league, you know, you see surprise trades all the time. Um, I wouldn't say that I was surprised, but, uh, you know, uh, I'm excited to be here and really thankful for the opportunity. The, the time you had in RSL, 
you you were defender of the year there two years ago, and then last season you were having a good season until you you broke your foot. Was it hard to then establish yourself back in the first team mix there? Um, I wouldn't say that. I think um, the coaching the coaching change there was um, you know came at a time when I was coming back in and trying to get adjusted, and um, that comes with its own issues. I obviously, it's the second time that, that you've been in Canada, drafted by Toronto back in 2012. Does that just seem an age ago to you now? <laughs> it does seem a while ago, uh, but uh, Canada is just as, uh, just as nice as I left it. Uh, I'm loving it so far. When you were picked by, by Toronto, obviously you, you broke into the team there and then they did the trade with, with RSL. When you look back at your first season in the league, how do you feel you've grown from then to the player that you are now? Yeah, I'm just a lot more confident. You know, I've seen a lot, seen a lot more games and uh, situations. And there, I was playing midfield, playing center back now. And um, you know, I just have a lot more experience and know how to handle different situations a lot better. And you come into a team; it's a, quite an established centre back pairing just now out of Timmy and Kendall. Obviously, you're wanting to push for minutes and challenge those two. What do you feel you have to do at training to to show that that you deserve to to be starting some of these games? Yeah, I just feel like you got to bring it. Um, it's just all about your energy and uh, intensity during trainings because, you know, I'm a firm believer in trainings uh, directly correlate with the games. Um, so I try to I try to bring it every day and um, play every day like play every day and practice like it's a game. Um, in terms of my intensity and my approach to it and my sharpness, my levels need to be up. So, um, like you said, this is an established pair, but, um, you know, I have a lot to offer. When you find out about the trade, like how much notice do you get? We spoke to Breck before he came here, and he basically found out ten minutes before everyone else uh, back before the season started. Did you get much notice before it was kind of public that you were moving to let family know and stuff like that? Um, I kind of had an idea maybe the night before, um, and then that morning of, I got a call like seven thirty in the morning, and it was done. So. It's, it's all happens pretty fast. Ten minutes is really fast, but yeah. <laughs> the night before is fast too, so that's just kind of how it is. Now, I looked, looked at your kind of international thing. You, you played in two World Cups, one with Trinidad and Tobago at under-17 and then one with uh, America at U20. How did you end up playing for Trinidad as opposed to the US at that level, and, and what made you decide to make the switch down the line? Um, just opportunity, you know, I had opportunity to play in a World Cup and um, I took it, you know, my father is Trinidadian, so I have dual citizenship and, um, you know, you can't pass up Youth World Cups, um, so it was an opportunity that I took. And you're a Boston lad, uh, one of the other journalists, she's not here at the moment, a, a girl called Har, she's a huge fan of all the Boston sports teams, oh, yeah. yeah. So this one's this question's for her because she'll be listening. <laughs> so are you a big sports fan of the teams out there? Are those like who you kind of follow in other sports? Yeah, I'm a big Celtics fan and a big uh, Patriots fan. Um, oh, please, hard. Uh, Bruins and Red Sox in the playoffs. But other than that, like I, I really enjoy the Patriots games and the Celtics games. On your Twitter account, You've got the, the Latin phrase, the healthy mind and the healthy body, mensana in corpora san. What, what was behind you putting that in? Is that just something, a philosophy that you've always kind of gone by? Or what is it about that phrase that motivates you? Yeah, so that was the, um, that was the phrase that, um, the motto of my alma mater for high school, Rosh Bay Latin. Right. And I just think it's really important to have um, that balance, you know, that your mind is sharp and your uh, your body is sharp, and I think that approach will help you get through every situation that uh, 
down my face. Now you, you my face. That's great. Thanks so much for your time today, Aaron, and good luck in Vancouver. Thank you. That's great. Thanks. And the music there, Blue Mond Day, because he's now a white cat blue, and every day is Mond Day for him. It's a little bit less than last time, but it is time for Flash Top 5. Um, this I'm w- going to change into a special shirt for this. Okay. Um, oh, no. <laughs> right on air? Oh, God. Thank God no Facebook Live. Okay. Um, so this, this week we're doing U23 uh, Canadian Defenders. It's Canada 150. We're still going on that. So, number five, Caden Chung. Um, he's only 18 years old, playing for WFC2. He's represented um, the... the, the uh, U18, U20, uh, U, he's even gone U20, I think, right now, right? He's uh, And he scored that one goal against England, which makes uh, Michael happy um, uh, in that friendly that they won 2-1. Um, next guy, number four, Gabriel Bokai. <laughs> I can't remember how to pronounce it. Bokai, then? Bokai, yeah. Uh, Richmond Hill, Ontario, uh, 19 years old. He's a fullback as well. He's currently playing for Energy Cutbus in... Uh, Region Liga Nordist, is that how you pronounce it, Zach? Yeah. Good. Close enough. Close enough. Um, he's another fullback. He, he's previously from the TFC2 Academy. Uh, TFC Academy, sorry. He played for TFC2 as well. And he's moved, uh, he's moved obviously, over to Germany to uh, kind of further his, his, his craft there. Number three, uh, somebody who just kind of came out of nowhere, um, Amer Didich um, from Sporting Kansas City. Um, what did he do? He just came out of nowhere. Born in Bosnia, Herzegovina, uh, moved over to Edmonton. Kind of really didn't have anything going there. He went to college. It was a small college, uh, Baldwin Univer- Baker University in Baldwin City, Kansas. He was helped by Mark DeSantos. Yeah. And he basically um, signed with Swope Park as, um, I, think, I don't even think he was drafted. And then the next, he was named um, uh, an USL All-Star and basically got signed by uh, Kansas City this year. And he's, I think he's been named to the the friendlies against Jamaica. Uh, number two, uh, Zachary Bogiard. Um, he is currently playing for Olympic Lyonnais in, um, in, for the U19 squad. Uh, he's raised both in Montreal and Lyon, France. Uh, he is obviously, his mother's f- uh, from France, the father's from uh, Quebec. Uh, so... He's he's kind of a dual citizenship, but um, hopefully he plays for Canada. He has represented Canada in, at the 2017 Concacaf Men's Under Championship in San Jose, so Costa Rica. So that's that's a good thing. So um, he's another guy that's coming up. And then the final number one, he's uh, currently playing for Stoke City U23. He's a center back, Kosovar Siddiqui, uh, birthplace Germany. Uh, for Zach, there, uh, he's awake. Zach, yeah, give him the fist pump. Um, and he's, like I said, he's playing, currently playing for the U23 side at Stoke City. And, um, he's, he's, he's represented on a couple of levels, U17, U20. So he's a guy that uh, could be one of those people that kind of solidifies that center half. And that's your top five. Another great list of young Canadian talent. As we say every week when we're doing these segments, the talent that's coming through the Canadian ranks just now is fantastic. And it's a, a, quite a young squad that's been named for the Jamaica friendly that's coming up in, I guess, two weeks' time? September 2nd or yeah. something. A couple of white caps in there, a couple of ex-white caps as well. 
Uh, the scarf wants to know why you did not pick the guy who was playing for England instead. I, I oh, was we, I, we I, I was going to talk about him, but because he is not, he hasn't really. Uh, he's right now with England, and he hasn't switched back. I, I decided to leave him off. Yeah. If he decides to switch over, because at this point he needs to make his switch, because he's played an actual competition for England, so he has to make his one-time switch. If he's going to come back to Canada, yeah, he's not switching back. And this I, is the, this I, is the Chelsea yeah, guys, yeah, yeah, because he's been he was on the bench for Chelsea too, so he is moving up their ranks as well. Chelsea too, wow. No, Chelsea yeah. as well. Oh. Fikayo Tamori, yeah, yeah. So and probably another reason I left him off because his probably name is hard to pronounce. <laughs> yeah, you seem to pick some fantastic names there. I've got to say, I just wanted John Smith. <laughs> so Kate Chung, um, we've talked in the past about his progression kind of skyrocketed a bit and kind of pla- yeah. plateaued. Yeah, I would say plateaued. It didn't dip. It hasn't yeah, dipped, dipped but he's, yeah. He's been playing kind of midfield as well yeah. a, a lot this season for a He scored. Too, I, th- I think it's right? more... I think it's... Score? He scored against... Uh, Taron Campbell set him up one yeah. time. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's more because of the need instead of... Because um, uh, they, they, they're they lacking a little bit in the attack. So they probably pushed them forward because they had enough defenders back there. Tell you what I need. Oh, I knew it was coming. Chocolate digestive. So, Gordon, you're at home at night and you've got your hot beverage of choice, non alcoholic beverage, obviously. Do you go for a tea or a coffee? Again, you're speaking to the wrong person. I do not drink tea or coffee. Uh, my wife doesn't drink tea or coffee, so uh, we don't drink tea or coffee in our house. So I'm, uh, I'm purely water, or sometimes I get the, again from Scotland, some iron brew sent over. Uh, but if I'm back home and I'm having a hot drink at the football, then I would go for a Bovro. Ah, and are you a cookie or biscuit fan? Before I ask you anything about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. So if you were having a biscuit to have with your drink, say it was a milk or something like that, what would be your biscuit of choice? Good question. I'd probably have a a wagon wheel. Oh, and your dunker? Again, I'm not, because I'm not a tea or a coffee person, I'm just, uh, you know, eat it as quickly as I can, but a wagon wheel. Anyone fancy a chocolate digestive? Anyone fancy a chocolate digestive? Sorry for that delay. Michael was uh, had given Steve some chocolate, and we were just trying <laughs> to bring just, Steve back to life. Yeah. <laughs> it was tough there. Yeah, we're, we're going to be playing a game in this section. The prize is, once again, chocolate. <laughs> Steve has reminded me he is allergic <laughs> to chocolate. Not deathly allergic. It's not a, it's exactly. not a life or death so it's thing. it's fine. fine. It's fine. Why did you have to resuscitate him like that, then? <laughs> anyway, we chatted with Aaron Mond. Then we found out that Gordon Forrest... Doesn't want a chocolate digestive. <laughs> also doesn't drink tea or coffee. He doesn't fancy a chocolate. No. So we have another new arrival at the White Caps, Ali Gazal. Ali Gazal is highly touted. Transferred for two point six million. We talked about him last week in an Egyptian themed show. If you haven't heard that, definitely check it out. Lots of Egyptian content. Was at training for the first time on Tuesday. He, I have to say, he looks the happiest player I think I've ever seen the Whitecaps bring in. He's had a smile on his face the whole week. He really is enthused about playing in Vancouver. He's done his research on the city, on the team. Knows that Vancouver's regularly highly rated in the the top livable cities in the world. 
And I'm looking forward to seeing what he's going to bring to the team. It looks like he's probably three to four games away from being up to match fitness. He hasn't played any first-team games this year, but did play some cup games and reserve games for the Chinese club. The the big rule changement that he wasn't able to do that. But looking at the highlights, reading things about him, he seems to be another Laba-esque style player, Zach. Yeah, and I think that's one of the if you mentioned before that's one of the reasons he was brought in someone to uh, provide more depth to the, the center of, of midfield and provide a potential option kind of covering it at the at center back, and it uh, has turned out that it's been a fortuitous signing or at least the timing has been fortuitous because yeah, now Matias Laba is gone and we don't have four uh, holding midfielders who we and we usually play two of them or sometimes even three of them now we only have three and so he will be that fourth or maybe not fourth in order but he'll no. be part of the four we have three and russell type no oh okay with ali yeah okay, okay. so got a chance to speak to ali on friday at training just chatting about his move here some interesting stuff as well just about his time in china and he hasn't featured for the egyptian national team for a couple of years was called up and given caps by bob bradley but hasn't featured for his national team since. We kind of touched on that as well. So let's hear now from new white cap, Ali Gazal. Uh, so Ali, you've not had a lot of time to see Vancouver so far, but from the the couple of days that you've had here, what what do you think of the city, the training facility, and basically the, your teammates? Yeah, uh, first I will speak about the city. Like since I arrived here, it's really nice, nice city. Like nice people, very friendly. Uh, like me personally, I like uh, the busy cities, and I also like nature, and oh, yeah. it's good that I found both here. So for me, like, it's the best so far. And uh, here, like, if you talk about the facilities here, like, I always say this to to the people here, like, it's it's like top quality, like equal, like top team in Europe, actually. Uh, this facility is like a top team in Europe that they can have this only two teams and uh, the guys in the team they are so good so far like <laughs> I never thought that would be like this they are so welcoming like it's nice like they took me in the group like from the first day and that's what I'm looking for and Obviously, Robo mentioned that he had, before you went to China, he tried to put a bid in for you to, to get you here, but then obviously money talks and yeah. you, you went to China. Knowing that he was still interested in you, like months later, did, did that make you, did that help in your decision to come here, knowing that there's a coach that really, really wanted to have you here at the club? Uh, exactly. You are, uh, you are, if you are a football player, the first important thing that you look for is really the coach wants you. If the coach wants you as a football player, that means that you're gonna get. It's not about like he's gonna put you because he likes you, but it means like he will care about you, like will let you settle well, like will help you if you are new in the like like me at the moment, and. Uh, that also gave me like not pressure, but it just gave me a lot of responsibility to not put him down, as he trusted in me and he put me here, and I will do my best to not put him down and to to show the people that he had the right decision. And 
You mentioned when, when you, you spoke to the press on Tuesday that it's maybe been about two months in the working, you coming here and, then, and getting everything sorted out. You seem to have done a lot of research as well on the club and the city and like how the, the city's ranked. What, what made you in the end decide to come here? Yeah, first, first of all, like, um, the coach spoke to me, like, maybe, like, two months ago before I come here when I was in China. When he just heard that I might uh, leave China, he contacted me immediately, and that was, like, the first thing. And and then, like, he kept going with me, with my process. Like, it took long there to finish my uh, my stuff, and he didn't go for another player. He waited for me, he waited, and that's give you, like... You know, it's like you have to turn the fever, you know. He waited for me and he really cared and he believed that I would be here. So as long I did my, I finished my contract and everything, immediately I came here. That was the main thing, really, to, to come here. And after my research, it was just about the club. I saw, like, the first thing I saw, it was like the new training facility and I saw the stadium, the crowd, I saw like the city, like everything is like, is like, a, how to say, like a triangle and and it's all like completed it, you know, and I have, I had really nothing bad to come here, really, really, it was everything perfect for me to come here and I'm really happy, I'm really happy and I will be happier when I'm in the field yeah. and people enjoying. <laughs> um, going back a little bit then, you, you came through the youth system in Egypt, then you made the move to Portugal with Nacional. How did that come about? Because I, I, there's a few Egyptians can, uh, in, in some of the big leagues, but there's not been that many. How did you end up in, in Portugal and in Madeira with Nacional? Yeah, actually, I was um, I was a young player in, in Egypt. I didn't make it to... I made it to first team, but uh, I was lucky the time that I moved to Portugal. It was the time of revolution of Egypt and a lot of problems there, and the football stopped, so it convinced the, the president of my club to let me go, and uh, I was so happy for that. So I left when I was, like, between 19 and 20 years old to Portugal. I was young player, I went there and I was lucky to have great coach there to to help me so much uh, as I'm young player, first time play in Europe and in Portugal is like good league, top yeah. five. So he helped me so far and I didn't put him down. <laughs> After the first year I started to get ready for playing and for big teams. I had some connections with the top clubs in Portugal like Porto and Sporting uh, sadly I didn't make that because of the, the president of my older club and he asked a lot of money but I kept, I kept going like this in Portugal for five years and thanks God that I made good name in Portugal and after that had many many clubs really to sign but it was always come to the point of the, the transfer fee yeah. Unless, uh, like this year, it was like so difficult for the club and it was in bad situation, going to second division and they really needed money and the only club shown it was the Chinese club. So I went to China and when I went there, it was so difficult because uh, two days before I signed and I was everything settled and I was ready to move, they changed the rules of foreign policy, like the foreign players. I know. And uh, it was so difficult for me to play 
every game and then I was thinking like okay if I will continue all year like how many games I will play it will not be much if I play so I really consider the first thing is like the first transfer market I really want to move and it was a good deal it was a good club like they understand well this situation and we had a good deal together and now I'm here what was it like in China I, just in general because it's a, it's a growing country it's obviously uh, football wise it's a growing country and they're trying to develop their league did you notice it was quite a high level and did you enjoy your time there did you get a chance to, to experience much of the country yeah, the country itself is good it's a developing country itself um, when it, it comes to football you know it's it's difficult like do you want to build it like but very quickly and nothing comes very quickly you have to start from zero until you reach to ten but it's not I think it's their problem is do you want to start like from ten from the end yeah. and that's why it's like they bring big players but nothing developing you understand because they have to start from zero and then to go step by step until they reach the top but they want to go to the top directly because okay they have the conditions to bring big players to bring everything but still they need like some like strategy they need a plan to develop all football not just the teams who are foreigners this is that was the point there in, in, in China and that's all so I like it there I like the China the they are nice people, like they care about the the players and the, the foreigners really well. They really carry they really care about them very well and I was I was not sad there but just I'm a football player, I need to play football. So for sure this is the first thing I go to China. It's not I will just go there and enjoy the country and enjoy everything. So when it comes to football I have to play. If I don't play then I'm not happy. Yeah. And last couple of things. Yeah. You, you mentioned you've watched a lot of leagues around the world. How much have you seen of MLS? And have you ever played on kind of like artificial pitches or, or anything in the past? Yeah, uh, I follow a lot of football, uh, actually. And I saw a couple, like, I see the news about the MLS and some players here. And it's good league. Like, it's good league. Like, uh, you, can, you can play here, like, good. And you have some teams here if... They go to Europe. They will compete like, like quite good. Um, so I like it here. I like it here. When I had the opportunity to come here, for sure I didn't, I didn't wait. So I took it to to come here. I have I played in Africa. I played in Europe. I played in Asia. So it's <laughs> it's, 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 it's good to, to be here. Uh, about the, the artificial field. Uh, before I go to to Europe, uh, like almost. Uh, all under 20, under 15, like this, like when I was the youth team, I played like maybe like four or five years on artificial fields. Okay. Yeah, games and training, so I know I know about okay. it. Yeah. Uh, last last question. You, you've had some caps for Egypt when Bob, Bob Bradley was the, the coach there. Are you hoping that a move might put you back in the kind of national team frame? Because you haven't featured for the last couple of years. Yes. Um, I really... <laughs> I want to. It's not about I don't care, but I have been in Portugal, like you said, the last two years. Yeah. I have been in Portugal, captain my team. I play always, but I don't know what their strategy of bringing players. They have like so far brought players that they doesn't play, but I was playing. I was doing well. I was captain of my team in Portugal, in Europe, top five, 
and it didn't call me to the national team. So I don't think it's something comes to football. But I don't know why. So I don't care where I play. If I played in Europe and in, in a good league and I was doing well and they don't call me, yeah. so if I go to March, <laughs> they will not call me anyway. So I don't care about this. That's that's something. About uh, Mr. Bob Bradley, he the funny thing, he was the first coach when he was in the national team. My first call-up for the A national team, it was him. He, call, he called me for the national team uh, when I was 21 years old. It was my first call for the A national team it was him the coach and uh, he is a nice guy he's a nice guy and I look forward to see him just say hi yeah you'll see him next season yeah <laughs> yeah exactly that's great thank you so much for your time today Ali and good luck in Vancouver yeah, welcome. thank you thank you so much Last week when we had our Egyptian-themed show, everyone was expecting me to play Walk Like an Egyptian. So I, I found a, a nice version of it there by a, a Dutch thrash metal band. Nice. You're supposed to use quotations when you say that. No, I, I, oh, I, you I, actually liked it, I love it? thrash and death metal. So. Oh, yeah, great. But Ali Gazal there. And someone left an interesting comment on our report article uh, from the Houston game saying that the way that that game played out, he doesn't actually think that we're going to miss Laba too much. And I also feel that way, but I, I think Gazal's... I mean, I haven't seen him play, but looking at the tapes, looking at what he's done, he's played in the, the top league in Portugal. He's captained the team. I actually think he is an upgrade on Laba. Oh, just And also the description they gave of how, how Robbo expects him to play. Like even like connecting passes, pushing the ball up forward. That's something Laba doesn't do that great. He, he Laba's fantastic at disrupting play, but he's not great at pushing the ball forward. So I think it is an upgrade. I, I would have loved to see them together. Maybe that might have been a, a good dynamic. But, yeah, the two of them but, together would have been a destroying yeah, tandem. I think. Yeah, but but uh, when it, if it's one or the other, then I would uh, at this point. Not having seen him play, yeah. <laughs> not really seen him in training, I would pick Ali Gazal. The, the only thing I will say, though, is Laba's goal scoring is more than Gazal. Gazal doesn't get goals. And, but Matt, Matty's not No, I know he has like he's, a, he's few, a few. He's had some thunderbolts. Yeah, the Matty has – and also sometimes he just attacks the box. Once in yeah. like out of maybe 10 games, he'll attack yeah. the box and get something. Out yeah. of it. But we, we wish him well anyway in a, a speedy recovery. He hasn't had his surgery yet. The one thing is, okay, is this different to, for me? When he gave his, like, on Twitter, he gave his thank you thing. He thanked a team. Yeah, he thanked racing. Racing. Yeah. racing. racing. Ra- they're racing? racing to me. <laughs> Ellis. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> James. Um, no, but the... That, isn't that kind of odd? I thought it was weird. I didn't comment Especially on it. Especially because Robo had said at training that, oh, it was just another rumour. And then he's like, oh, thank you for your interest in me, but maybe later. Yeah, yeah it seems like it. Maybe, maybe later in the winter. In the, uh, I'll show you how good I am at medical reports. Hopefully in the months ahead we'll, we'll be able to hear the truth behind that story because yeah. there obviously is one there. Anyway, Alec Zhao, now a white cap, as we said, really enjoying his times here so far in Vancouver. Last week was our Egyptian-themed show in tribute to him, honour of him. And we had a great game last week that you missed out on, Zach. Oh, I heard, I heard it. Away with the Pharaohs. Yeah. But I didn't want you to miss out on some games. I think I'm going to do some more game playing in, in the shows coming up. And 
Legendary UK entertainer Bruce Forsyth sadly passed away this week, aged 89. I think anyone that is an adult of living age, obviously if you're dead, it would, anyone that's a living adult right now in the UK has basically grown up watching Bruce Forsyth on, on television. And he was famous for a lot of game shows and entertainment shows. And one of his most famous was a show called Play Your Cards Right. So as a tribute to him, we're going to play a version of that. Play your cards right. Yes, it's time for the first, and I don't think this will be the only, but I think I think you'll enjoy this. It's going to make great radio. My question is, where did all these people come from? I know. The clapping. We brought an the audience. audience. What a great audience. Yeah, so much better than last week's, which was one of Bruce Forsyth's famous catchphrases. So, just to give you a quick rundown of what we're going to do here, I'm going to ask you an opening question. First person to answer gets to control the board. You have five cards... The first card will be a player with the shirt number. You then have to say if the next one is higher or lower than the first player. So we have two different envelopes. Where's the board? One is MLS players. One is NESL players back in the day. Mm. So we're just getting the board set up here. Here's your opening question. Let's see who's going to control this. First person to answer gets to control the board. You have to hold the mic. In which year were Vancouver Whitecaps formed? 1974. No. 73. Correct. Oh, December 73. Yes, December 73. Well done, Steve. I wasn't sure if it goes 75 or 73. (laughs) So do you want the top row or the bottom row? I'll take the top row. (laughs) Okay, let's look at the top row. The top row is MLS players. That'll help me a little bit. Just going to get this set up here. Are you excited, Steve? Um, I'm, I'm really anticipating everything. Oh, okay. Wow. Oh, I see how this starts. Okay. So we're starting off with a man that is sadly no longer with us. For the rest of the season, anyway. It's Ben McKendry. His shirt number is number 30. It's the next card. Higher than 30 or lower than 30? You play those odds. Play those. I'm going to say lower. And it is lower. It's number 8, Andrew Jacobson. Now, are you going to go higher or lower than number 8? I'm going to go lower again. Whoa. Not playing the odds. And it is lower again. Number seven, Christian Belanius. Now, it's not much lower. I know. Well, that's just how the cards fall. So you're two away from winning the chocolate. Are you going to go higher or lower than a seven? Higher. Oh, it's oh. lower again. Number one, David Ousted. Well, So the, the board is frozen just now. So, but you're only one card away from winning, Steve. So, who yeah. knows if it's going to be higher or lower than number one, David Eisted. <laughs> so, Zach, you really, oh. really need to get this question right. Wait, I got to get a question yep. right? Whoever answers this controls the board next. Oh, I guess so. So, here's your second question. Which white cap is currently the leading scorer? Montero. Oh, Steve is back controlling the board. And you wouldn't have got it right, too, because you would have said Colombian, and yeah. that would have been the wrong answer. So it would have been easy. 
So just now, your card is number one, David Eisted. Are you going to go higher than number one, David Eisted, or lower than number one, David Eisted? I'm channeling all the previous winners, and I'm going to say higher. He's going for higher. Oh, it's David Eisted again. It's number one. You don't get anything for a pair. <laughs> that was Not a, in this game. That was a setup. <laughs> oh, just like when you open the somebody, somebody, Somebody didn't want to give a chocolate away this, this game. That was one of Bruce's favourite catchphrases from the show. You don't get anything for a pair, not in this game. So, you can still do this, Zach. I've brought this other pack of cards. I really, really want to use them. You have to get this question right. i got to do the questions. Yeah, you still have to answer a question to control the board. Yeah, control so, the board. let's see if you can get this question right. Wait, is he still going against me? Because he can take the extra the other he, board? He could do oh, it again. Okay, cool. Wait, he does. Oh, yeah, he didn't get his chocolate, okay. which will make him not well. Okay. Who was Vancouver Whitecaps' first designated player of the MLS era? Eric Hasley. Oh, well, Zach. Well, technically it was Jay Demerit, but MLS, would, oh, not, MLS yes. would not allow him to yes. be a designated player. So technically it was Jay Demerit. Yeah, really. but sadly Steve won. So Technical. Are you going to go higher or lower than number one David Eisenhower? On the next on the group next of cards? Card. I'll go higher. This probably be zero. I tried to find the zero, but I can get it. It is higher. It's number 13. Christian Teixeira, congratulations, Steve. You have won. Play your caps right. Cool. And I just... Cool. The excitement. I'm trying to... Like, you know, it's a fantastic. Get you G'd up here. Um, you know, with chocolate, I'm allergic to it. I'm great. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, tell you what, then. If you don't like chocolate, what, what else would you like? Would you like an ice cream? Yeah. Why not have an ice cream? It's the ice cream man. So, Steve really wants to get an ice cream. And I'll tell you somebody else that would like an ice cream right now. Jordan Harvey. Ice cream man. Ice cream man. Ring your bell. Play the music I've learned to love so well. Ice cream man. Ring your chime. So, Jordan, it's a hot day. You're out with Kim and the kids. You want an ice cream? What is your ice cream flavour of choice? Well, we go froyo. Um, oh, that's fancy. that's our. I, I don't know if it's fancy. <laughs> um, for some reason, in our head, we think it's healthier. For I don't know. It's probably not. But we go froyo, and we always do. Um, there's a, little, there's a little place on Robson that we go to. I forget what it's called, but I get, like, the tart, and I mix that sometimes with, uh, you know, uh, cookies and cream or something. But I think the key to all that are the toppings, and I got the mochi on the top. And the, the secret to all froyo when you're, when you're doing it yourself is put a little secret on the bottom before you put the froyo in there because at the very end when you're like, oh, there's no more toppings, like, oh, my God, you remember and it's on the bottom and you get a little extra. I will try that. I like the goji berries. I am. Oh my god! No, no. I'm trying to help everybody out. I'm trying to spread the word. Thank you so much, Sean. Thanks. Ice cream man. 
The ice cream man came for Jordan Harvey there, but he wanted Froyo. And David Eisted audio bombing, can't say photo bombing, but David Eisted bombing the interview there. So disappointed that Jordan Harvey was giving away all his Froyo secrets. He thought it was just between the two of them, but now we all know. And I did try what Jordan recommended there. I went to Menchie's and I put a little secret treat at the bottom for myself. Fro- fro- Froyo. Froyo. YOLO. Yeah. We'll be back after this. Hi, I'm Carl Robinson. Uh, you're listening to the AFTN podcast. Now, I feel bad that you didn't get to play this game. I still, J.D. Merritt was the first designated player. So I'm going to let you play because I brought these cards. All right. So we're going to do a very, very quick yeah. NASL player cards, right? Yeah. And we're starting off with number five, Bob Leonard Doozy. Is the next card higher or lower? Then Bob Leonard Doozy. Oh, man. Let's go higher. It is higher. Oh. It's number 13. Peter Beardsley. Peter Beardsley. <sighs> Remember, back then, there weren't that yeah. many high numbers. I'm going to risk and go lower. Oh. It was higher. Number 20, Pierce O'Leary, who, of course, we oh, yeah. spoke to his son. That's right. Ryan O'Leary. Or Ryan Pierce, as he's now known as an actor, who is in 21 Thunder. I am wearing my 21 Thunder jersey that the producers kindly sent me. I am number six, so I think I have now been signed for this under-21 team. <laughs> no name on the back, though. I actually think this was used in the show. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I'm trying to f- I, I was trying to find out who was number six. So yeah. In what sense are you under-21? Uh, stone. Under, I was going to say yeah. stone. <laughs> So, so can, can, can I guess what the next yeah, one is? Yeah, you can go Okay, now. I'm going to go lower. So you're going lower than number 20? Yeah, because there's not very many high numbers there. Wrong, it's high. Number 21. Next one's Carl definitely Valentine. low. Next one's definitely low. I was going to say, it's going to be Last Carl, Val- Carl Valentine again. Oh, no. Number six, Davey Norman. Uh, nice. Who looks very, very different in this photograph. He What's has he? a little tash. Oh, yeah, he used to have the... Oh, yeah. These were the 7-Eleven Whitecaps cars, I think, in a circa 1981. He looks so happy. He does. Yeah. He still does. I had lunch with him last week. That's a BC place. Hmm. Yeah. So there. Anyway, let's get back to the chat and the interviews. There was a very interesting gentleman at, at the Whitecaps game on Saturday up in the booth. Pros Peter Walton, who was kind of watching all the VAR and stuff. And VAR had a great first week in MLS. <laughs> As we talked about last week, it was a little bit of a nightmare. Shocking. Kaka, though, not appealed that, that card by Orlando. That was more no, shocking than no, the no, actual no, no, initial no, no. call. No, but but, you, you but know, they know because they would get fined exactly. if it wasn't held up. Oh. So well, they, they said you're only allowed a certain number of appeals yes, in a year. Totally. They said, they went to MLS and said, we are, we are, uh, we're going to challenge this, we're going to appeal this. And MLS said to them, go ahead, it's going to be worse for you. And they said, okay, yeah. well, we're, we're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Absolutely ridiculous. And I love the press release that they gave out, the last <laughs> line of it. Yeah. That mentioned that Kaka has only ever been sent off twice in oh, his career. Both, both times in MLS. MLS. Yeah. So there you go. But referees, of course, in MLS and North America in general get quite a lot of abuse, especially from us on this show. But Peter Walton was at the game yesterday, was very kind enough to, to spare five minutes with Steve to, yeah. to chat about VAR, 
refereeing in general here, pro and a lot more besides. So let's hear that interview now. Here's pros, Peter Walton. So first of all, obviously, there is uh, a lot of expectations coming into with VAR and uh, what it was going, how it was going to change the game. What were your expectations going into it, and is it kind of matched to what you were expecting right now, or is it just a right now a learning process still? Well, first of all, um, there was a, a lot of uh, feeling that it was going to change the game. It was going to change the pace, the style of the game, and the fans' and, uh, entertainment to the game. So we've done an awful lot of communication to say it's just for the four key match decisions, changing decisions, those penalty kicks, the send-offs, the mistaken identity, um, or, or, or let's say the straight red cards or so, and goals. And because we've kept it that way, we've kept that subjective nature into the game. Um, my expectations have been met. Um, I thought that uh, the first few weeks of the season would see a bit of a learning process, and we're still in that learning process, but ultimately, I don't think the game has been changed dramatically and we've been able to pinpoint some mistakes that clearly you know, we got wrong and we've corrected. Um, without, you, obviously, you don't have to go into specifics, but are there always going to be little you know, fine-tuning to it as you go along? Like, Is there always like, something you see that maybe next season you might kind of talk to everybody and see if you want to adjust it? So we're in a two-year cycle at the moment, um, afforded us by IFAB, the lawmakers, They've said to us, look, go away and look at it for two years, feed back to us the evidence and the data, and that's exactly what we're doing uh, for IFAB to make that ultimate decision. And yes, there will be fine-tuning along the way. We would like to think that we can keep to these four principles, of course, uh, because that's the understanding of it. But the, the nature that we use it and how it's used amongst our officials, as well as the, uh, the education for the fans, um, will be tweaked as we go along the way, yes. Um, uh, how difficult, no, no, I'm not saying difficult, but how was it like approaching the referees and uh, kind of getting them on your side? Because no, nobody wants to be second-guessed and, and everybody thinks they want it, but how difficult was that getting them on your side? Was it easy or...? Well, that's a good question yeah. because obviously as, a, as an ex-referee, you always have um, you know, trepidations and thinking, why are they bringing this in? What, what, what is it about my game? Um, but in fairness to the referees here, they've all to a man said, well, hang on a minute, we'll show you that we actually don't need video re- replay because we'll get the decisions correct on the, on the day. So it has worked in a real positive way with the on-field officials, the fact that, yes, they know it's there as a safety net, yes, they know it's there to um, um, pick up those mistakes or those missed calls, but ultimately the referee wants to get the call correct without the aid of video replay. Um, one of the things that I always get annoyed by is uh, the crowding of the ref when a call is made. Is that something like would you want to change? Like how, like how can you get that out of the game and even more? Because it's just like when the call is made, the call is made. Crowding the ref is not going to uh, change his mind or anything like that. No, um, but of course, you know, the passion in the game and the frustration in the game uh, and the expectations by the players leads them to sometimes be a little bit more ill-disciplined than perhaps you would think so. Um, And I can understand to a degree uh, their frustrations at times. Clearly, we don't want that to be seen as a public image. And the the league, MLS, uh, the competition, um, are quite strong when it comes to crowding referees and are quite punitive in their actions against clubs and individuals. From a refereeing point of view, 
sometimes you know it's quite difficult to realise you are being crowded because you have sort of tunnel vision on the player who's in question and don't really feel or appreciate that you are in fact you know forming a bit of a crowd it's only afterwards when you look at the game from a panoramic view that you realise that but that's down for the the league and administrators like myself to try and educate the clubs to say hey you're never going to change the referee's decision anyway yeah. um, well, how do you feel referees are treated here is it similar to Europe or is it a kind of a different dynamic in North America well, it doesn't matter where you, where you play in the world. Um, there's a culture difference, of course. You know, you could ask the same question to a, a South American or a, an Eastern European. But clearly, you know, the, the, this continent has a feeling about referees. They are part of the game. They are part of that entertainment factor. Something actually referees actually don't want to be. You know, the, the good referee is the referee who's not seen. Yeah. But um, and unfortunately for them, it is part of that entertainment package and something that they have to live with. Um, the, the fans, the crowd, they have expectations and they, they vent their, uh, their frustrations at certain individuals. But that's the game that we love and, and so, so be it. You're being obviously an administrative position now. Do you kind of miss being on the pitch <laughs> and kind of being with the players? Or, or is that you're totally past that now? Well, I'm not totally past it, that's for sure. I think once you've, always, once you've done battle, you always uh, look for more. Um, however, I'm in a real privileged position, of course I am. Um, what I do miss are the, the people around the game, uh, the people who sort of, uh, meet and greet you, uh, some of the fans, some of the coaches, and some of the players. The game itself, that's always work. You know, you go out there and you do a, a job of work. And so um, that do I miss not as much as the actual people or the stadium that I used to work in. Um, final question. Uh, obviously, you've, you've roughed a lot of games in the past. Is there one game that still stands out to you, or in like of all the games you've roughed, or well, is it hard to single it down to one game? You know, uh, a journalist once said to me, uh, he said, uh, Peter, he said, why did you retire when you'd refereed 499? professional games and I didn't realise that so I've probably got one game left with me somewhere but you know every game is a good game that's an old cliche of course but there have been some great games along the way you know uh, officiating at the new Wembley Stadium in front of 90,000 people that's awesome and great and it's great memories um, and hopefully uh, some of those memories I'll be able to pass on to our referees to, uh, to bring them along the line as well Perfect, thanks a lot Cool to be a referee Get him off, get him off with a whistle and a little dried up pee It's no protection For the things they throw Toilet rolls and bottles Every time I blow Peter Walton there from Pro So many more things we really wanted to ask him But he only had like five minutes to talk So a really good interview I thought there Steve A lot Thanks. of good questions asked I-, I thought you would ask him about their special Pro training day tomorrow I didn't know about it, so that's yeah. what I, and, and and thanks to Mr. Whitecaps Jr., who set it up for us. Yes, um, he set it up for us and was able to get it last second for us. So, so what's this training day tomorrow then? Well, I think all uh, pro referees have to go out and stare directly into the the, the eclipse. Oh, that, yeah. that, that's how they get into pro. Yeah, that's how. Yeah, oh, and okay. listen to thrash metal at the same time. Oh yeah. <laughs> This episode of the AFTN Soccer Show, as always, is brought to you in partnership with bcsoccerweb.com, your one-stop site for news, links, and a lot more, locally, nationally, and internationally. So now it's time for BC Soccer Web Headlines. Yes, time for BC Soccer Headlines. That was the theme scene for News Radio, if anybody was wondering. One of my favorite shows, comedies of all time. Oh, I liked that. 
Um, so the first headline that we're not going to go totally go in depth on, but I just want to bring up um, Global Atlanta in Atlanta's new football stadium. Soccer is no afterthought. Um, it was a quick article about, you know, the things they have in there. But the funny thing is, and I showed Michael this yesterday during the game, all their pictures was in this article where they sing soccer's no afterthought. Every picture was about Amer- American football, including the the Falcon uh, big statue they have in front of the stadium, the, all the even the dressing room. They talked about how the uh, United dressings are different, but what they show in the in the article, the Falcon dressing yeah. room. So it's very funny. That well, can, can we say one thing about that? Yeah. I don't know if it goes into the great detail in this. The one crazy thing that Arthur Blank has done has made food and concessions and beverages at that stadium like affordable yeah i don't know if you've read about that but it's like crazy what they're doing to make it like supporter and fan friendly and it's super affordable especially on sundays because uh chick-fil-a uh, one of their prime sponsors and have a big restaurant they don't serve on sundays so uh so they'll on on most of those nfl dates they won't be serving anything at all um uh, so super affordable because you don't you won't have an option to buy no, they, which is a funny thing about that you know, but they have other food. There. I know they have other food, yeah. but it's funny that the main sponsor is not going to be serving food in their, in their main games. Um, uh, first actual article, Greenland, soccer with a side of whale, whales and icebergs. Um, it was basically how soccer is Greenland's favorite sport. Obviously, not many options to play there uh, because in the uh, I think in the wintertime, there's no sunlight at all. Um, and there's a great picture in the article about how uh, the team lining up for the opening pitch, and in the background you see icebergs. So it's a, it's a great, and it's just it's going over the history and everything like that. It's basically a, a CNN article, and uh, it's it's a it's a great read. Oh, so it's fake news then? Oh, oh whatever you want to say. <laughs> I'm just, I was joking. It's a fantastic photograph, though. I, I love seeing the, the icebergs. In the, in the background. And they're talking about a bright future. They're talking about Iceland, how Iceland's moved up uh, in the like, – they're hoping to do the same, similar well, things. Well, Greenland play in the island games. Yeah. Against the likes of Jersey and Guernsey and – Wait, are you making this up? No. Okay. The island it games. It sounded like, the way you were saying those, Jersey and Guernsey. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, think you were, I thought you were like struggling to find a theory, figure something else that could rhyme there. Orkney, Shetland. Um, oh, your favorite islands. Mm. Yeah, okay. Second uh, yeah. second article, Regina could be a dark horse in the 2026 World Cup bid from the soccer Saskatchewan Soccer Association. Surely a very dark horse. Yeah, but but um, uh, Simon Fudge, we were talking with him yesterday. He was he had just been from there. He, he obviously was born there, and he went back for a trip. He checked out the stadium. He said it's a great stadium, and it, it kind of works with soccer. It does look very nice, and I think it's some, something like thirty three to 35,000 current capacity. You have to be 40,000 to host a World Cup game. Yeah. But from what I understand, Mosaic is potentially expandable. Yeah, and also they do mention that training facilities for the athletes and grass fields would be needed if they were to get the games and everything like that. So they yeah. do admit that there would be work to do. But he said it's built lower or something in, in the in the ground, and then it, it kind of has good views and everywhere, yeah. and they can expand. So it's a good it's a good uh, good chance that they might be. Who knows? Because they did remember they did their the uh, the game uh, the friendly they had recently that was well yeah. attended. Fifteen thousand. Yeah. I, th- I think a lot is going to depend whether Canada gets three or four cities to host. If it's three, you have to think it's going to be the big three. Four is maybe going to open up places like Regina. Yeah, I think the key word in that the, the title there is dark horse. Hmm. Uh, third article we have: Toronto FC breaks new ground, but MLS still has developmental issue. This is essentially a, kind of a breakdown about um, how Toronto is subsidizing other clubs. Um, when they do get players from that club onto into their academy, 
and kind of providing them with something. Uh, it says twenty five hundred um, uh, per player. Um, I'm not sure if that's confirmed or not. It says it in the article, so I'm assuming it is. And and uh, they were talking about how the they kind of hadn't been doing it in the past, but they decided like it's a, it's a good way to build the relationships uh, with academies around other academies, right. non non sanctioned ones. Well, yeah, like when you when you take a player that's been developed from a club that you, I think FIFA has some guidelines for what's supposed to happen. Now, obviously, here in North America, they've gone against those guidelines, yeah, which is what happened with Yedlin's club, yeah, club suing. But it's also when they sign a pro contract is when they're entitled to money, because it, it's like the Whitecaps, as we talked about last week, lost Alessandro Hojapur, went off to Bulgaria. But because he hasn't signed a pro deal and he's signed for an under-19 team, the Whitecaps don't get any money for that. They are asking for something, but they don't have to get it until he signs a pro contract. And the thing that's maybe not known with all these residency guys is they're not on contracts. Any of the residency guys can just leave at any time and go and sign with another academy. Which is why I've heard in the past that they pressure the, the residency kids to sign pro contracts so that they, they can get something. And we saw yeah. a bigger... But a, it's a way to lock them up as well, right. lock up the good talent. Another, but then you do lose guys then like Dario Zanatta, who's well, because, free to go over to Scotland. Because he looked and saw that, okay, yeah, no young striker. He looked up and said, oh, okay, Caleb Clark ripped it up in residency, ripped it up in... A USL PDL. I'd argue that he ripped it up in USL. I don't think he was that USL good. PDL. Oh, PDL. Yeah, and then and then he had no. The pathway was closed to him, and so I think he looked at that and said, "There's no way I'm going to sign a contract here. I'm going to go over to Europe." So, so yeah, just and, and end up playing against East Fife for Queens Park. So, just to say, just to uh, kind of recap, like in the article, it says our RSTP uh, stipulates that when a, a player signs his per- first professional contract, the club has to pay the training and development cost for every club that developed that player between 12 and 21. Um, and what, that's only when they sign the contract. And they also have to pay when a player moves to a different club prior to his 23rd birthday as well. So they, they, there are obviously stipulations in that well, when I mean, they sign a contract. Kudos to Toronto for doing that. Yeah, and it was out of the blue too. Yeah. The, the people weren't expecting it. it. Yeah. No, the people weren't expecting it either when they showed yeah. up. They they kind of went, went home the, with free, free money. Did some club not go away? It said with like 35000 something, something to that effect. But here's the thing. like If you're, if you're a, a Toronto FC, you want to have good relationships with these clubs. You don't want to yeah. just go and take their players. Exactly. Yeah. It and was 12,500. 12, 12, 12, in total, apparently, it was 67,500. Yeah. In total for the whole night. So if you're just a, if you're just a, the top-level club in your country yeah. and you just go and start taking players all the time, it's not a good and thing. it's not a good thing. No. It kind of it well, stifles other yeah. people from wanting to develop anybody. And look how, how, look how many top talent we've got from Edmonton as well. And Edmonton's not got rewarded for bringing players like Alfonso, Gloria Amanda. So many Edmonton people. In, Jackson Farmer. Yeah. But so many current <laughs> players in the residency as well that's talented and from Edmonton. So well done to Toronto for that. So now it's time for our wavelength section of the show. And we're going to go back... 10 years to August. That's not really going back. Yeah. August 2007. For you, it's like going forward. Yeah. It is, since most of my songs I'm playing from the 70s and 80s. But we haven't had a lot of American songs in this segment. A couple of weeks back, I did play the Clint Deuce. Dempsey. Deuce, yeah. Nice rap song. Uh, you, were, you weren't nice. too keen on that. Yeah. Word I would use, but. So, since we played Houston Dynamo yesterday, we're going to play a Houston Dynamo song. It's another oh. rap song. Oh, this... I like this. 
This is Mike Jones with Don't Play Around. Just in case I lane now, Mike Jones, Mike Jones. We gon' put it in they face. Let them know. Cause we don't play around. 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 Haters hate but lose when we in the race. Hey, we up in the place and we gon' put it in they face. Let them know. Houston Dynamo. Oh, Houston Dynamo. Oh, Houston Dynamo. Oh, Houston Dynamo. Boys acting like they ready for that orange crush. Try us if you want to, we'll leave you in the dust. The men in orange, baby, got orange on my back. Be the ones, now it's time for us to bring it back. Long as I got my fan club, y'all can't harm me. El Battalion in the Texan Army. We MLS champs, so haters bag back. Another game on the field, my team gon' grab that. I'm from Houston, Texas, chilling with our mask. Got the crowd go crazy when they see the fox stepping out. I'm from Houston, Texas, chilling with our mask. Got the crowd go crazy when they see the fox stepping out. Haters hate but lose when we in the race. Hey, we up in the place and we gon' put it in they face. Let them know. Houston Dynamo. Oh, Houston Dynamo. Oh, Houston Dynamo. Oh, Houston Dynamo. Haters hate but lose when we in the race. Hey, we up in the place and we gon' put it in they face. Let them know. Houston Dynamo. Oh, Houston Dynamo. Stadium and every seat pack. Why is that? Cause they wanna see us bring the title back. Mike Jones, H time representer. I got my orange on, so when I see my team in a, I'ma root for hey. I'ma root for hey. These little fox come and help me root for I got that orange on my back. Hey. Hey. I got that orange on my back. Hey. Hey. I'm a dynamo fan. Yeah, I love that orange crush. Run up on my team and we'll leave in the dust. I'm a dynamo fan. Yeah, I love that orange crush. Run up on my team and we'll leave in the dust. Haters hate but lose when we in the race. Hey, we up in the place and we gon' put it in they face. Let them know. Houston Dynamo. Oh, Houston Dynamo. Oh, Houston Dynamo. Oh, Houston Dynamo. Haters hate but lose when we in the race. Hey, we up in the place and we gon' put it in they face. Let them know. Houston Dynamo. Oh, Houston Dynamo. Oh, Houston Dynamo. So that was Mike Jones there with Don't Play Around. Mike Honus. Honus, yes. <laughs> um, uh, no, I, there was a point where we, I got if Facebook Live was here, everybody would have seen everybody crack up. But I, I thought the song was over or getting close <laughs> to over and it was still like only halfway through. That song was only 2.38 and it felt like it was like it had been <laughs> five minutes. Like time stood still. Yeah, I, I like rap. I love rap music. I love the early 90s, but that I don't like the repeating of the same mm. term over and over again. It just gets to me. Well, that was brought out to celebrate Houston winning the 2006 MLS Cup, and they won it the same year. So obviously, rap songs do so well to kind of motivate. This song teams. was essentially inspired by yeah. Dwayne Rosario. Do they, do they play this like as like a uh, like? Yeah, it's it was the it was their MLS anthem. It was kind of through does, Adidas and all that. But does it get stuff. played like in the stadium? I before think, oh, I'm assuming it, it would be. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's the, <laughs> it is quite old yes. now, so I mean, who knows? But. We do have another MLS rap song that I really want to play when Columbus come to town. But Steve, you don't want no, me to play it. No, 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 no. Well, we have to mark the, no. the show. We would have to mark it explicit. There's lots of swearing. There's lots of the yeah. N word thrown about. 
It's if you give me time, maybe I can edit out all the swears. I looked for a clean version of it, and there isn't one. Well, if you if we edit out all the stuff, we will only hear like four or five yeah, words through the whole thing. And yet the Columbus crew they, promoted they retweet, it. They promoted it and retweeted it at the time. You can check it out on YouTube. Sean Bands, B-A-N-D-Z. Uh, and it's something about yellow. I can't remember what it's called. Now. Black and yellow? Something about yellow. Black and know. yellow, black and yellow. And we do, we, do we condemn or condone this song? <laughs> I condone it. I love it. It's a great song. Oh, oh, my. Anyway, just before we go, I've got some tweets. Chris Corrigan wasn't happy with the, the choice of prizes that I was given out in Player Caps, right? He was like, you can't have a prize that will kill one of the contestants. It's not going to kill me. It's just going <laughs> to give me a sore throat. But then he said, congrats, you've won a fatal disease and a klaxon. <laughs> um, we also have a tweet from... Crown Jewels at VicJewel69. Uh, he wants to know if... Oh, actually, we, we'll just do a little bit of clarification first of all. We had a couple of tweets asking if Freedom and Terror was banned. White Scarf Scarface, there. Or, and Van Cityville as well yeah. was, was missing the game against Seattle on Wednesday from yellow card accumulation because he got his fifth on Saturday. He was one card away from a suspension, but then he kept his nose clean for a couple of games, so that dropped off. And Is that a Colombian joke? <laughs> it wasn't, but it works. So, Crime Joe said, did they buy it down with Tam or was it Gam? I think it was actually Cam, card allocation money, or come, card undo money, maybe. That would work as well. Any other tweets here before we wrap this show up? Well, what, one somebody, who said that gif? Because that was very, very, I think it was the scarf. That, that kind of fit what the, the how that was during that oh, song, yeah, this that, gif. That's yeah, a scarf. I'll retweet yeah. this. That this is this was us in the studio. Yeah. Anna well, last I, week when she was on said we need to get Facebook Live going yeah. because of my dancing. Yeah. Oh, you danced with Anna last week? No, he danced, danced on his own. Oh, you danced for for Anna. Okay. It's like oh, why he was dancing actually dancing with the around me. he was yeah. dancing with the mic really. Yeah. So kind of like normal. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, the, the people would be. <laughs> Michael just breaks out into more dancing. <sighs> people would be amazed or shocked, appalled. I'm not sure. Any combination or excited by Michael's dancing. As Leo Sayer sang in the 70s, it makes me feel like dancing. I'm going to dance a night away. No, he's right. Dancing, ooh, dancing, ooh, dancing. He would say that, whoever that was. Leo (laughs) Sayer, check it out. I know the song. I recognize the song. Oh, he was on that that kids' uh, show from Australia one time. The the, the oh, adult men that always sang to the kids. I can't remember their name. I have no idea what you're talking about now. <laughs> do, you, do, do you know who the I'm... scarf the scarf yeah, breaks again? He's, he's got a picture <laughs> of me now dancing. This is fantastic. Do, do you know who the, I'm talking about? The no, Australian no. adult men that would no. It would be. Kind I don't of, know what you're talking okay. about. I can't. If anybody knows, tweet it out. If anyone knows what Steve's talking about, I just about, can't remember their let name. Us right know now. and do not call the authorities. But anyway, that is it for this fun-packed, jam-packed episode of the AFT and Soccer Show. Just before we go, let everyone know where they can find you online. You can find me on Twitter at WhitecapSweet. I'm on Twitter at Zachary M. A.M., sorry, and I'm a part of the movement Curva Collective. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. I'm Michael McCall. Read our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. We'll be back next Sunday on CITR Radio. As I said, we may have a Seattle post-game Orlando pre-game podcast coming out on Thursday. Not so sure yet, but we'll see how that goes. As always, thanks for listening to this episode of the show. The Wiggles. The Wiggles. It was the Wiggles. Thank you. 
Although, yeah, yeah, the kid show. Yeah, I said the kid show with adult men singing to kids. He was on that, that guy that you're talking about. Most my, kids shows are adults singing to kids. My, my kids No, but this was, kind of, this was kind of, I found it creepy. I didn't let my kids watch it. <laughs> but your kids love this show, especially the Fish and Chips song. Oh, they love the Fish and Chips song. They well, love your the kids sticker. listen to the whole I pl- podcast? I played, I played that part and they love the stickers. You force your kids? No, I don't force them. To, uh, they were, we were stuck in traffic. They were sick of music, so I played this podcast. Because I love the Sean Band song and I play no. that in a couple of weeks then. <laughs> Anyway, thanks for listening, everyone. Until next time, take care and mourn the cat. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine.